Good morning, everyone. I'd like to ask us to grab our hymnals and open them to number 67, Thou Art Worthy. At this time, I'd like to ask us to open our songbooks to number 28 and sing How Great Thou Art. Sweetly in the trees, 
lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to Son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home. Joy shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. My soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. We just sang about God's greatness, and He has entrusted to us that which we have in our pockets, I suppose. Let's give back to Him in a way that brings honor and glory to him. Men, please come and receive the offering. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tom. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone, like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou brokest. Be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself to me in the top of the mountain. No man shall come up with me, neither let any man be seen throughout the mount, neither let the flocks nor the herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up Onto Mount Sinai, as the Lord commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord pressed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, 
the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving inequity, transgression, and sin, that by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste, bowed his head towards the earth, and worshiped. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that reading, Tom. God is good to us. Let's, as Children's Church is dismissed, open our songbooks to 106. You may be seated, yes. You may be seated. 106, how deep the Father's love for us. you open your Bibles to James chapter 1, I have been enjoying preparing messages for this series in the epistle by James to those 
believers that were scattered abroad due to persecution. A lot of that that he has written directly applies to us. There is many applications for us. Today we'll be looking at verses 16, 17, and 18. And verse 17 tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Is God good? He is good, isn't he? It's one of his overriding attributes, the goodness of God. Do we always recognize it? No, we may not. But he is good at any rate. <clears throat> Last week I met Bill Jenkins III, the former president of Continental Baptist Missions over in eastern Montana to do some antelope hunting. And Bill was able to get his antelope. And we thanked God for his goodness. Even though it was cold and windy and, and drifted and all of that, it was we recognized God's goodness in all of that. I talked with Randy Olson, the pastor of First Baptist Church in, in Whitefish last night and asked him about his migraines. Randy has suffered for a year seriously with migraines where he vomits sometimes. And he, some of you may have experienced things like that. He said a couple of months ago, I had the worst day ever. And I was sitting down holding my head as it was throbbing and I could barely, it seemed, survive it, he said. And then after a few hours of that, he said, I noticed that it seemed sudden to me the pain was gone. And he said, I was okay and there was very little pain and I was able to get up and function and I haven't had one since and that's been a couple of months so praise God for his goodness taking Randy's migraines away it would sometimes hit him just before a morning service and how he would function sometimes he couldn't function well as he preached there in Whitefish also, as I mentioned in the Sunday school hour, we got notice, my brother called while I was in the study and actually working a little bit on the Sunday school lesson, finishing up my Sunday school lesson. My brother Bill called yesterday afternoon late, and it was hard to understand Bill at first. He was choking up. Pastor um, Jake Mathwig, the first of First Baptist Church of Marion, where Juanetta and I grew up, was working on firewood, and suddenly, without any notice or expe- in no- nothing that in- any signs that anybody knew about, really, died. And God took him home to heaven. I can't imagine what his wife Kay is, de- is feeling right now. Their daughter had just flown away for a missions trip and they were able to get a hold of her in Amsterdam and notify her and their son and of course the church family right now as as I speak they're probably just praying together so what a shock that would be 
to have that happen. Is God still good? Certainly he's good. We don't know what he's doing, and we don't know the purpose in this, but we do know that he is good. And every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from him. He gives us our very life and breath and all things, Acts chapter 17 tells us. He gave Jake life in this world and the privilege to be used of him to affect many lives. God fulfilled his purpose through Jake, and that is a good thing. Heavenly Father, as we open in this sermon topic of your goodness, I ask you that we would never never question that, even when we don't understand from our perspective. Thank you for the times when we see and understand that you've been good to us beyond measure, as we just sang. You've loved us beyond measure. And Father God, I ask you that we wouldn't take that for granted. Also, during times when there's a tragedy, such as in Jake's passing from this life into your presence, we know that he is ever in his Savior's presence and right now facing a special joy. Yet we... In the meantime, while we're here, grieve over these things. And I ask you for a special, special grace from you and comfort from you for Kay and the kids. Also, Heavenly Father, for the church folks in Marion, I ask you that right now you would, in the person of the Holy Spirit, overshadow that service and give a special comfort and, and, and peace that I, I don't even know what people will be needing, but I ask you that you would meet that need in their lives. Maybe somebody needs to make sure of their eternal state and will trust Jesus Christ as Savior today. Father, we ask you for that there and here, and I ask you that you would also be the one who, in both places, is honored and glorified. Wherever your word is proclaimed today, I ask you that you would be the one who's honored and glorified. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. In our journey through James so far, we've seen, in general, that temptation and trials and adversity are allowed by God in a Christian's life to make us better, to make us more mature in Christ. Then also, last week, we saw in verses 13 through 15, through 15 that no one ever has the right to blame God for temptation. It's not God's fault, dear Christian, when there's temptation that a person faces. When you put yourself in a place or a situation where you're in danger and tempted to sin, if you get bit, if you get hurt, if you are damaged emotionally or physically by some circumstance. Don't blame God for it. He did not do it. God takes away that excuse through the pen of James. And now in our verses today, we are given another tool by God and his word to avoid temptation. The first, first thing, there is the justice and judgment of God, as we saw in verse 15, 
It brings forth judgment from God if we are tempted, if you will. Today we'll look at another tool that God has given us, and that is the goodness of God. How how can we reconcile God's justice and judgment for sin and his goodness? Well, don't be mistaken, they're not opposites or contrary attributes of God. They're not. God's justice and God's goodness are not opposites. They're actually complementary attributes of God. So God says in verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Remember, when you are tempted, these two things. Remember the justice of God and the goodness of God. God is the source of all real good. And I pondered different titles for today's message, like the author of true good or uncontaminated goodness. Why? Well, there seems to be a lot of good in this world all around us. There really does. Unless you're a member of the International Miserable Pessimist Society. I made that up. The acrostic would be IMPS. That's imps. <laughs> I made that up. You know, the cold nights that we're experiencing and the snow are good unless you're a pessimist. There are a lot of good scenery and vistas to be enjoyed in the mountains in northwest Montana. We have color on the trees or the leaves have fallen. There are white mountains and icy waterfalls coming our way and then clouds and deer and elk out on the golf course can and things like that. There are some beautiful things to enjoy unless you're a pessimist. There are a lot of people who do good also and we call them do-gooders, you know, (laughs) or philanthropists. Some give to charities and some cut firewood and underprivileged and on and on that goes. But let us never lose sight of James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. We'll look more at that attribute in a moment. The real source of good is actually God himself. We can enjoy it from each other, but the real source of it is God himself. His good stems from his love, that agapeo, unconditional love where he gives undeservedly to us. We don't deserve it where he gives sacrificially of himself that perfect love that stems from God. And therefore, what he gives is always good because of his love. His good gifts are uncontaminated by selfishness, pride, or sin. Sometimes our good gifts, if you will, are not perfect like that, are they? A while back, Juanetta and I talked with a man who is known in our community as a giving, helpful, good man, a philanthropist. But when we talked with him about his life after death and God's offer of eternal life through Christ, he immediately stated how many good things he had done. If anyone thinks that the good things that they can do will buy their way to heaven... That's a conditional goodness, isn't it? It's a contaminated goodness. 
It is a self-serving goodness. It is not the goodness that God gives for sure. Now, let's look at five aspects of this attribute of God, his goodness. Number one, God's goodness is a gift. It's a gift. Think about a gift for a moment. Our verse says that. Every good gift and every perfect gift. A gift, a real gift, comes to us at no cost on our part, right? A real gift is undeserved. We didn't work for it. We don't deserve it by the, and as the recipient. A real gift must be received or accepted to be yours. And a real gift is not for any benefit of the giver. Otherwise, it's not God's kind of gift. It's not that kind of gift that God gives. Think about it. What does God have to gain by giving us good gifts? Nothing. He's self-sufficient in himself. But he does give us good gifts because of who he is, and he loves us. We may not always see the good in what God gives us immediately, but to be sure, his goodness is a gift. The Christians who were scattered abroad and faced many trials in life, as we read in verses 1 and 2 a few weeks ago, who James wrote to, may not have immediately been able to see good in what God was doing. James Wright said it is, though, but if they could look back from heaven right now, down through the centuries to the time they lived in first century AD, they surely would say yes. What God did for us back then was a good gift. Secondly, God's goodness is perfect. God's goodness is a gift, and secondly, it's perfect. Verse 17, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It is a difficult thing grammatically to separate these two concepts, God's good gifts and his perfect gifts. But we probably shouldn't even try because they're good and perfect. Just let me say this about it in regard to those two concepts. This word used here has to do with how God gives. So the gift is good and how he gives it is perfect. Okay, No matter how we try as humans, our acts of giving are less than perfect. We can give something good in a less than loving way sometimes. I remember one thing that my dad liked to do was give us what he thought we needed. <laughs> and sometimes he gave it in a less than perfect way because he thought we needed it. It may not have been what we needed, but he thought so, and so he would sometimes even somewhat forcefully push something on us. We can give something good in a less than loving way sometimes, and that diminishes the value of a gift. By the way, I loved my dad. He, I really did. The last years, the last 10 years of his life were the best for me. But um, God doesn't diminish the value of a gift like that. The way he gives is always perfect. It's the way he gives it is always at the right time, in the right way, with perfect grace. That's how God gives. 
How about us? What about our manner of giving to others? Do we need to make some changes? Maybe we do. Not only is God's goodness a gift that is given to us perfectly, but thirdly, God's goodness is continual. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, our verse says. The Greek word, anathen, is translated from above and literally means the very first or from the beginning. It began with the creation of the world when those who are above us, I'm sorry, when those who are above us in every attribute, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, created the world and all things therein. Not only does every good gift and every perfect gift have an origin in the Godhead and began in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, but the goodness of God did not stop there. It's continuing. The words translated cometh down is a present participle. It means it keeps on coming down. Aren't you glad that God's good and perfect gifts keep on coming down? It's not just something that happened once upon a time. Once done or once upon a time or something that will be given someday beyond the blue in the future. It is a present participle. God continually gives us good and perfect gifts. In the past, yes. Right now, yes. And in the future, yes, in the future too. God's goodness is continual. Fourth, God's goodness is unchanging. By biblical definition, God cannot change. Okay? In whom is no variableness, we read. God cannot change. If he could, he would not be God. Malachi 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The context is interesting because God made a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, even though those descendants were doing wrong and deserved to die, yet because God changes not, he did not destroy them. He always does what he promises. He does not change. He cannot change for worse because he's holy. He cannot change for better because he's already perfect. James used an interesting figure of speech in the second half of verse 17 where it says, And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James, as the Holy Spirit led him, used an interesting figure of speech there to prove God's unchangeableness. First of all, he calls him the father of lights. Lights here is the Greek word phos or phos, meaning rays or luminescence. So James uses a metaphor. God is the father or perfect parent of sunlight from our solar sun and lunar light 
from our moon. That is what is he used as a metaphor here. The word variableness, which literally means, by the way, if you look it up, it means phase of orbit. Variableness, phase of orbit. As the earth orbits around the sun, our daylight hours change, don't they? Here in northwest Montana, we lost three minutes today. By the middle of December, our days will be eight hours, 30 minutes long. In June, our days were almost 16 hours long. God does not change like that. That's the point. He doesn't change like that. Neither shadow of turning. This metaphor also includes shadows cast by sunlight and how they change. You've seen it, and right now I can see a shadow under Joe's pickup. Okay, Will that be in the same place in a couple of hours? No, it'll move. God's not like that. He doesn't change. Have you ever seen cows in Florida? I know the Janungs and one at it. Have you ever seen cows in Florida? How do they, do they look for shade? Absolutely. <laughs> it's incredible. We saw about a dozen cows lined up behind one telephone pole. And then they would move like this, <laughs> trying to get a little bit of shade from one telephone pole. Poor creatures. <laughs> a lot like us, yeah. Of course, a sundial is fun. We watch sundials sometimes. A few years ago, we met the pastels at Sylvia Lake, south of here, on the day that we had our solar eclipse here in Montana, and I mean, that we could see from Montana, and we took our welding goggles with us and tried to take pictures through our welding goggles and all of that. That was interesting, but the one memory I have of that is during the eclipse, it was darker, there was a shadow on the ground of a Douglas fir tree, and it was distorted because of the the shape of what the sunshine was casting on that tree made a whole bunch of cup-looking shapes on the ground. It was interesting, and it changed. It only lasted a few moments like that. And there have been many, that, just a lot of examples. There's a contrast in a variable change in sunlight due to objects that cast shadows, trees and clouds and things like that. But God is not like that, James tells us. He is not variable. He doesn't change. He always gives light. First John 1 John 1.5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God does not change from summer to winter. God does not change like the shadows and clouds. He is always holy, perfect, and gives good. Not bad, not neutral, not varying or undependable gifts, but good and perfect gifts. He doesn't change. The good word to use, if you can remember it, will impress people. So that would be a wrong motive. Oh well, I'll give it to you anyway. The immutability of God. He doesn't change. Okay. Here is an example. Hebrews 6.18 That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Immutability. 
is one of God's attributes. He does not change. Number five, God's goodness is based upon his will. It's not based upon our will or our ideas. It's based upon his will, not man's, not my desires or your desires. Isn't it amazing that mankind has for ages been telling God how he should run his universe? It's interesting. The first or primary good and perfect gift that gives that he gives to those who believe in Christ is new birth. That is the, the primary good gift that is in view here. To be born again, to be born from above, is the best gift of all. That is the gift that Jesus told Nicodemus to receive in John chapter 3 when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It is the great gift given by God and not earned by man, as it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is based upon what God has already done for us on Calvary's cross. Not by any good deeds of man. It's based on God and himself only. And this is brought to us in the Bible as the word of truth. Verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The word of truth, the Logos Aletheia, it is the Bible that tells us the way of salvation, and the Bible is truth. That all men are sinners against God, that all need a Savior, that none can save themselves, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who, while we were yet sinners, died for us in our place as our substitute because he loves us so much that all must believe in him to be saved and to be born again and that is a good and perfect gift from God and it comes down from him from above. If you have not yet received that good and that perfect gift do that today Talk with me or one of us here. We would love to share further with you how you can make sure that gift is yours. It's eternal. It's forever. It is a perfect, perfectly offered and good gift in every aspect. If you are born again, praise his name. God's goodness ought to direct how we live in this world. Praise his name and remember that When faced with temptation or trials, there are two main concepts here in these verses in James chapter 1. The justice of God against sin, and secondly today, the goodness of God toward the saved. Here is an example. Because God is our Father, and he's good, and he loves us, and he gives us perfect gifts, I mean gives us good gifts in a perfect way, We ought to recognize what we do in this life can hurt him and 
we do not want to do that. Here's an example out of Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And it came to pass, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The goodness of God was with Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he did, had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said, unto his master's wife behold my master what is not what is in or what is with me in the house and he hath committed all that he hath in my, to my hand there is none greater in this house than i neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god the sin would have been against God. And Joseph knew God was good to him. And God was the perfect father. And Joseph would not sin against God because it would hurt his father. Juanetta has shared that about her dad. There were times in her life where she was asked to do some things that would have hurt her father. And she said, I don't want to hurt my dad that way. I love my dad. Do you love your heavenly father in such a way you don't want to hurt him? I trust this affects all of us. So the justice of God is one reason to avoid temptation and bringing trials into your life. Another one is the goodness of God. Because he's good to you. You ought to love him because he first loved you and me. This goes to me as well. That is why Joseph resisted temptation, the goodness of God. He did not want to break God's good heart. When faced with temptations and trials, dear Christian, one tool that God has given you and me is his goodness. Don't break your father's heart. Our Heavenly Father, you know the hearts of everyone present today. And I ask you that if there's a matter that needs to be taken care of in any person's life, oh Lord God, that they would not hesitate, but that they would take care of that between themselves and you. Oh Father God, I ask you that in all things as a church family, we might honor you. Thank you that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from you and you've given us infinitely more than we could ever gain in any other way and certainly that we don't deserve. Father God, I ask you that we would love you so much for your love toward us and your goodness toward us that we would live in a way that brings honor to you and gives you a special joy in heaven. I don't know how that works, but you've told us that we can bring glory to you, and I ask you that we would as individuals, as a church family, and Father God, in every way, may you be the one who is honored and glorified. Oh, Lord, if there's someone here who hasn't trusted Jesus Christ as his or her Savior, I ask you that today they would make that decision 
and receive the greatest gift ever given where we can be thankful unto you for your unspeakable gift of salvation through Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If there is anything that anyone wants to include me in in regard to these matters, maybe it's prayer about something that is heavy on your heart. Please talk with me after the service. I would be honored to be able to pray with you about whatever it is. Let's sing Day by Day, number 144 in our songbooks as we're dismissed, okay? Day by Day, 144. by day and with each passing moment strength I find to meet my trials here trusting in my father's wise bestowment I've no cause for worry or for fear he whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Let's all stand as we sing verse 3. Help me then in every tribulation. So to trust thy promises, O God. That I lose not face sweet consolation. Offered me within thy holy Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days are moments fleeting, till I reach 